0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Now if you're uh, like me, um, you probably... Moved immediately from Halloween and started focusing on the next holiday because that's that's what we do. That's what most people do. Matter of fact, the day after Halloween, and some of you might have saw this. Uh, I woke up day after Halloween and uh, saw this uh, on Instagram. Clock strikes midnight. Halloween will end. Bam! Christmas carols everywhere, right to the next holiday. Uh, and it's 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 makes sense because as a culture, what we're used to doing is focusing on you know. Holidays, the next good thing that's coming. uh, That's why they didn't mention the election, next good thing. They kind of skip Thanksgiving, which is the the John the Baptist of holidays. It kind of announces this whole season of great holiday things to come. Uh, But as a culture, this is what we do. Holidays are are like the core of of American culture Um, to the point where, depending upon, you know, where you look online. There's a lot of made-up holidays. There's some that are legit, like uh, how many you guys know that there's a National Pizza Day? Yeah, amen, we celebrate that. I don't know if you can read it, National Pizza Day, February 9th. Uh, some of you, like me, you celebrate it weekly, if not daily, but, uh, but there are also a lot of fake, ho- now this is legit. This, this is, I mean, this is real. This is American culture. Uh, But then there are a lot of fake holidays that people have started throwing up like national. Uh, National Pizza Day legit. The next one, um, Saturday, November 12th, National Pizza with everything except Anchovies Day. I mean, obviously, that's just made up. I mean, although because we're a tolerant people, we allow other people to celebrate their holidays even if they're fake and we don't, you know, ridicule them. Uh, but I probably will have a pizza on Saturday, November 12th. But our culture is obsessed with, with holidays. Now, usually when we get to November, November has several themes going throughout of it, and I don't know, some of you might be familiar with, I don't know if you can read this, National Novel Writing Month. How many of you guys have ever heard of that? Okay. Well, yeah, there's a, it, the goal is, and it says, it's a fun, seat-of-your-pants approach to creative writing, and on November 1st, participants begin working towards the goal of writing a 50,000-word novel by 11.59 p.m. on November 30th. And I know, I think, I don't know if Ben's participating. Are you participating this year? Yeah. Um, I was gonna, but it's like November 6th, and I haven't written a word, so probably not. Uh, Way before, two months prior, I wrote two chapters, and I haven't touched it or written anything since, so I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, But there's also, and and a lot of the guys are familiar with this, No Shave November, and ladies have probably heard about this because your guys are doing it. Now, it was started from my understanding as part of like a respect for cancer because a lot of cancer patients lose their hair and we were supposed to like grow beards and then not shave and any money or efforts we devote towards shaving you devote to cancer. That's what it started as, but now it's just kind of like a celebration of men (laughs) just to grow a beard. But there are probably still some people that, that do the whole um, no-shave November thing and, and focus it on cancer. And for us, normally, because November is that time where we're rolling into the holidays, uh, what we typically do here at Crossroads is we focus on food. And so we have some kind of food-themed series that we talk about. A couple of years ago, we did The Hunger Games, not so much about the movie, but more focusing on the fact that there's hunger And there are people starving, not just in our nation, but globally. And the fact that there's really more than enough food on this planet for every single family to have three meals a day or more. But some people don't wanna spend the money and the resources to get the food to the families. Uh, And then last year we talked about um, what would Jesus eat, focusing on the fact that our bodies are temples. And so everything that we eat, everything that we consume, you know, we should still do that in a God-honoring way, acknowledging that, you know, uh, I, I've been in churches where, where, you know, people are, like, there are whole teams of people that focus on keeping it, like, crystal clean and, and everything polished and everything must be brand new and sparkly and all that stuff, and that's great, but that's not the place where God dwells. God shows up there when we're there, but this is where God dwells. And this deserves just as much attention as, you know, this place where we meet. So this year, uh, I thought it kind of be cold to highlight our love of holidays and my love of food, because I just love food, uh, and focus on the biblical feasts, all of the feasts that, from a biblical standpoint, um, God called the nation of Israel to celebrate. And, and you'll be surprised because um, all of these feasts, although they're different Uh, They have a lot of commonalities. Each and every one of them was designed to bring the people of Israel into worshiping God, even though there's a lot of ceremony and a lot of symbolism, there's also a lot of celebration uh, and worship of God. Uh, But they also focused on and pointed to Jesus. Now we're on this side of history, uh, so we are not looking forward to Jesus being crucified and what he's done on the cross. But we can look back at that celebration and back at what Jesus did on the cross and see how all of those celebrations pointed to Jesus and all of them were designed to unite humanity, not just unite the the Jewish people, but so that those people outside of the circle of Jewish um, culture could look in and see that, hey, all of this is pointing to a sovereign God so that humanity would know that there was a sovereign God. And, and the, here's the thing, though. When you get and you start talking about the holidays, holidays are hard for some people. Because as you go, whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, a lot of people, it brings memories of either losing a loved one. Um, I'm, I'm sure that for Helen, every time we start to go into the holidays now, uh, she's going to be thinking that going into the holidays, that's when she lost her husband. And for some other people, it it's reminds them of when they lost Uh, a husband a wife a son a daughter a mother a father or someone from their life and it makes it a little bit difficult for some people it's not about losing a loved one but going into the holidays just reminds them that maybe they don't have anyone maybe they don't have anyone around them and they're not so much mourning the loss of a loved one but they're just feeling lonely and maybe they're feeling hurt and i can remember um, when i was a, a single parent fresh out of the military and I had gotten to a point where, okay, I just, just got all the bills paid, just got everything done, and blinked, and I'm like, wait a second, it's the holidays. but I've, I've, I don't have any money to travel anywhere to see family. I don't have any money to really do anything. And I got a call from my sister saying, and, and for the last couple of years, we hadn't you know, done holidays together, but she said, hey, what are you doing you know this Christmas? And I was like, I'm not going to be doing too much. I've, I've got to work. I don't have money to travel or whatever. So she and my mom, uh, they put together this huge you know, amount of money to uh, bring us home and, and even take care of some of my bills so I'd have some money. I mean, it was just because I was, I, was, I was this close to getting into that lonely, depression, woe is me state, even though that wasn't really, I mean, I had a lot of people that love me. Just because during the holidays when you don't have people around you, uh, it's easy to go that route, but uh, we're going to be talking about the biblical feast, not so much because, hey, uh, we want to bring out that, that hurt in people or that reminder in people, but we want, regardless of whether we're lonely or regardless of whether we're grieving the loss of a loved one, uh, that we come together and we celebrate together and we look at all of these things as we look at, you know, our, our holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um national pizza with everything but anchovy day uh, we also want to look at these holidays and these feasts that god ordained where there was just crazy i mean redonculous feasting and celebrating and people coming together and this is an opportunity for us to do that and so all of these biblical feasts they also uh, they were spread around at various times the first one uh, that god ordained was called the passover then you have unleavened bread first fruits now this says the month of Nisan uh, as we're going to look in scripture you'll see it says the month of I think it's called Abib and they're the same thing but what happened was when the Israelites came out of captivity because they had spent two or two and a half three generations under Persian rule they adopted some of that culture including how they what months they called so Uh, The month of Nisan and the month of Abib, first month are the same. And you can see it goes all the way around. And uh, we'll go over more of these in detail. But if you have a Bible, open it up to Leviticus chapter 23. And in Leviticus chapter 23, all of the feasts were appointed by God. um, um, Listed, here's what you're to do. And even though some of them, um, or excuse me, all of them look like they're mandatory, They were for the Jewish people, they're not mandatory for us as Christ followers because they've been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but if we look at them and study them, we have a better understanding of why we celebrate holidays. Now, here's the thing. Christmas is coming up, right? And it's on a Sunday. And going into, now, if you think the turmoil about the election was bad, amongst Christ followers, If you think, you know, them going back and forth, supporting a candidate, wait until we start seeing, you should celebrate Christmas. No, you shouldn't. How can you bring a tree in your house? All this stuff that Christians do. And I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do, but as we're going to see, the holidays that God ordained are ones that are focused on bringing people together, worshiping God, and just celebrating and rejoicing. And and me personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a day, doesn't matter what day, National Pizza Day, and using it as a way to celebrate God, bring people together, and rejoice in what he's done. So uh, Leviticus chapter 23, and I guess I should have been opening my Bible when I was telling you, uh, turn to uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. Is what it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Now, uh, as you look throughout the rest of the chapter, there's probably, depending on what Bible you have, titles such as the Sabbath, the Passover, and the Unleavened Red, first fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, uh, each of them, depending on what Bible you have, might have a title over them, and if you look, the very first one it says is the Sabbath, and it's not so much that the Sabbath is, and I know people argue today, again, Christians, should we celebrate the Sabbath? You're worshiping on the rain, wrong day, all this kind of stuff, but if you look at even the one that says the Sabbath, God says there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You're not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath of the Lord. Again, hey, Assembly and worshiping God. Those are all, I cannot see God complaining where people get together as Christ followers and they worship him. I, it, there, there is no, no, no place in the Bible where God says you should celebrate Christmas. There is no place in the Bible says where God says you are to gather on Sunday morning and worship, but the early church just started doing it because they were assembling And they were worshiping God. And here's the thing. The assemblies, uh, all of them were supposed to be sacred. They were supposed to be holy. They were supposed to be about God. They were supposed to be set apart to God. They were supposed to be for God. If we just gathered on Sunday morning at Panera to, to read a book or to talk about our day, that's different. But if we gathered at Panera to read this book and to celebrate and talk about God, I think God would honor that because we're making it sacred we're setting that time apart for him and to him and again it's always always every holiday about assembling whether you're coming together as a family you're coming together as the church you're coming together uh, with just a a a group of people but it's always about assembling together god's holidays and our sunday celebrations always about bringing people together now leviticus chapter 23 uh, let me drop down to verse 4. You can read down here. I'm going to put it up here uh, on the screen. Or did I just pass over it? Oh, yes, I did. Uh, chapter 4, it says this. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. And verse 5 says, The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. Now, Here's the thing. The, the 14th day of the very first month, um, they had already had months that they were following. They had already had, you know, days and weeks of the year. But what God was saying is, hey, this Passover, this is to be the start of something new. This is now going to be the first month for you. This is supposed to be something new. This is supposed to be uh, about a brand new start. And it symbolizes from a Jewish perspective, um, salvation from egypt from when they were in bondage and um, hopefully what i'm planning on is hopefully if we can get it all worked out in april uh, we'll talk more about this because we're going to try to have a seder dinner which which symbolizes the passover in every element in the dinner well for us it would be a brunch but you get the picture every element in the dinner symbolizes or is ceremonial about something that their freedom from bondage or points to what Jesus Christ would do. For us as Christ followers, we're not necessarily celebrating our freedom from bondage in Egypt when Moses brought the Israelites out. We're celebrating our freedom from bondage to sin. Because Jesus ends up being the Passover lamb, and Jesus, Jesus ends up being the one who sets us free from sin. Now, um, don't turn there, but Deuteronomy, this is what it says, Deuteronomy chapter 16. Observe the month of Abib, that's the month of Nisan, same thing, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night, and you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock of your herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. And what they would do is they would take a lamb. It had to be without spot, without blemish. had to be like a perfect lamb. They would bring it into the house and keep it in the house for a time until it would become known to them. Then they would take that lamb and then they would offer it as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for their sins. In the same way that Jesus... Who became known, three and a half years he did ministry, was already known to God. On Passover is when Jesus was sacrificed as the living lamb, but also the eternal lamb for our sins. Now, Passover symbolizes the remainder, um, a reminder of God's freedom from bondage, but unleavened bread is intricately linked because passover would be one day and then the very next day uh, you would have the start the process of unleavened bread In leviticus chapter 23 this is what it says and on the first day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the lord for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread on the first day you have a holy convocation which is an assembly a gathering like this and A holy convocation, and you shall not do any ordinary work. So it was a holiday, national holiday. But you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day, another holy convocation, and you don't do any ordinary work. So for those of us that look, as our culture from holiday to holiday looking for the next good thing. They would have uh, the Passover, and then they would have a day of unleavened bread where they didn't eat any leaven. And leaven just represents sin. Because leaven is what would make the bread rise, it was flavorful, just like whether we like to admit it or not, sin is fun, sin is good. That's why people sin. None of us get involved in things that, are, that we hate and we don't like. But sin is also what separates us from God. So they would begin a practice, this, this unleavened bread of, of spending a week eating things without leaven, and from a, a practical standpoint as a Christ follower, it would be the equivalent of once we commit our lives to Christ, spending a, the very next day saying, I am not going to work. I'm just going to celebrate and rejoice what God has done. And then the next seven days, practicing or, or walking without sin, staying away from those things that we used to do, those things that separated us from God. And then on the seventh day, just having another party without things that we used to party with that separated us from God, if that makes any sense. Is this making sense? The whole whole purpose of this was so that you would celebrate the Passover and rejoice in God setting you free from bondage, and then you would spend seven days celebrating that you are free from bondage, that we would spend a whole day, and here's what typically happens is someone who maybe isn't a Christian or not a Christ follower comes into the church, they commit their lives to Christ And then what typically happens, we go back out within a day, two, three, or four. We're back at the old things. We're back at work with the same people. We're back at wherever it is doing the same things. And what this would be symbolic of is is that Christ follower spending seven days just focused on dedicating their life to God, dedicating their life to Christ so they don't end up doing the same things. Now, in Exodus chapter 13, here is what Moses writes. And Moses wrote this. Uh, before Leviticus was written. And it says, Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you from this place, brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of them you are going out. And then he says this, Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory So for seven days uh, imagine you know the thing that you used to enjoy eating with flavor and all that stuff you're to spend seven days doing without it and then here's what he says you shall tell your son on that day when your kid says why are we eating this bland food what happened to national pizza day why are we all of a sudden eating white pizza day which should not be a holiday but and you are to tell your son, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And if you replace the word Egypt with bondage, because again, we're not looking to, when we celebrate Passover, it's not about leaving Egypt. It's about God delivering us from sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he would be saying, it is because what the Lord did for me when I came out of bondage, when he set me free from sin, when he made a way for me to spend eternity with him. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes. That means everything I touch, everything I see should remind me of this, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of bondage, has freed you from sin, has put you on a path where you can spend eternity with him. God has made a way for us to be sin free where we don't have to go back down that path anymore. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as we close, let me, let me just say this, because uh, I've seen it, you've seen it, I've even posted it, maybe some of you guys have posted it, those things online where we say, hey, let me get a 100 million likes because you know this, this person has cancer and they've, they've survived, and that's worth celebrating. Christy and I were, were watching a show, and uh, 60 days in, where these people volunteered to go into prison for 60 days, uh, unscripted, and just to help the warden figure out some of the illegal things that are going on. And when they got out, they celebrated. I mean, some of them it was just jumping on the bed. I, I can finally jump on the bed again. Uh, one woman went right to, I can finally drink a beer again. I can finally shower and close the door again. But they celebrate it. And we've all seen stuff like this. And if we're celebrating those things, isn't it worth celebrating the fact that God allowed his son to be the sacrifice for us so that we could be set free from sin? I'm going to ask you guys to stand and um, we're going to close out with a time of just praise to God. God, we thank you that you loved us enough that you allowed your son to be that Passover lamb And that that Passover lamb died and was buried and was resurrected on the third day to show us that we are no longer bound by sin, by those things that separate us from you. And sometimes we get so focused as the church on making sure that we're talking about um, things that are going on in our culture, making sure that we're talking about things that are going on in our community and how we as Christians have a right to stand up for those things but we forget that the most important thing is that we have been set free we are declared righteous in your eyes and it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross so as we head into this holiday season Lord we pray that we don't get uh, sidetracked that we don't get focused on um, decorating our homes or Preparing the meals, but that we remember the one who paid the cost for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing the next song, let me just share something with you. Um, when I was meeting with Ed's daughter, Lisa, and we were talking about the funeral arrangements, and she Communicated that you know she knew there were going to be some people there who were you know Christ followers and others who weren't, and I I'm, I'm I told her I'm here to do whatever you want, whatever you want me to say or do. I'm I'm here so that we can celebrate your father's life in a way that's God honoring and a way that you feel comfortable with. I'm not here to preach a sermon, but one of the things that she made crystal clear is that she wanted everyone there to know that Ed was done suffering and that he was not a victim of his illness but was victorious because of his relationship with Christ. And that's hard to communicate to people that don't know God, which is why God instituted all of these holidays so that there is a way to celebrate and rejoice and communicate to people that don't know him and remind those of us that do that because of what he has done that we are victorious. So we're going to sing an old hymn that many of you know and I need you guys to sing it like you're victorious.